0: Welcome to our service, my name is Tim, I'm the lead pastor here at Vine Church, and uh, we believe that this is the word of God, we believe that God is true, we believe in Jesus, and that he died for our sins, and he resurrected to ransom us, uh, to to God himself, and even if you don't believe yet, you can still belong, but we'll keep preaching about the goodness of Jesus to you, amen. Today, um, I want to share a message that I titled, According to his grace, according to His grace. I want to lead us to this passage in Ephesians. If you can go ahead and turn with me to the book of Ephesians, um, chapter one. And before I read, before anything else, before I forget, um, we've printed out these prayer cards and we have them in the back. And I really want us to be a praying church. Um, we already are a praying church. We have seminary students and leaders. That pray every week uh, for you, for every member of our church, for the visitors, for our city, um, and for the church in general. Uh, but I want us to be involved in the needs of our members in our community. You hear what I'm saying? We want, I want us, our church, to be involved in the needs of our members in our community. And uh, we'll find a way to to find out and reach out to our community, to people who live around um, this area, to see what is it that they uh, need prayer for. We want to be praying for them and also praying for you. So if you have a prayer request, we have prayer cards in the back um, at our Connect booth, our VIP table, um, together with the coffee for you. Um, So if you have a prayer request, please fill that out. I would like to be praying for you. Um, And if you'd like to receive prayer during our service I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to hang around here for like five minutes after service um, just to pray for you. Or if you'd like to meet me in person or just talk and chat for a little bit uh, before I connect with everybody else. I would like to be here just to pray for you specifically. Amen. Awesome. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. So the title of my message is According to His Grace. According to His Grace. Can you repeat after me? According to His Grace. Come on, this is, this is something I want you to learn, okay? And we'll be, we'll be saying this um, uh, 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 quite often during our service, during our message here. So Ephesians chapter 1, and I want us to start reading at verse 5. Verse 5. So it says that in love he predestined us, God predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will. Verse 6. To the praises of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Verse 7. In him, namely Jesus Christ, we have redemption. How? Through his blood. Also the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Come on, you just missed a great opportunity to say amen. I mean, let me teach you in case you don't know. Amen means that's good. Amen means glory to God. Amen means I agree. Amen means let it be done according to what you just said. Can I hear one amen? amen. I mean, I don't know if you know, but let me just pause my message right here and tell you that uh, God's word is a—it's it's like a two-way road, a two-way street. You know, part of it is you listening to it and receiving it. But then part of it is you responding to it. Amen. Amen. Part of it is you responding to the message. Anyhow, so we just read this passage, and this is just an introduction of this letter. The letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. And in these verses, he packs it with so uh, uh, so, so, so much treasure. And I don't know if you guys were paying attention to the adjectives that Paul uses to describe God's grace. And it's interesting because, like, of course, um, this should be very clear. It is logic. And it only makes sense that every time we read scripture, that we need to pay attention to what it's saying, right? Every time we read the scripture, we gotta pay attention to the words, to the adjectives. Because I don't know if you are paying attention, but not just in this passage, but take a look at every single time Paul or any of the other apostles, any other any other author of any book in scripture. When they referred to God's grace, they always add and they packed it with adjectives regarding or referring to God's grace. You guys understand what I'm saying? Let's pay attention. Again, look at what he says, verse 6. Right after he says that he chose you, right after Paul says that God has chosen you, that God has adopted you, that you are his son, his daughter. You guys with me? Right after Paul declares this this amazing truth that God has chosen you to be a part of his family. Now, I don't know if you know, there there are are uh, certain benefits that come along with being part of God's family. There are certain benefits that come along with being God's children, a child of God, a son, a daughter of the Most High. I mean, it means that if he himself titles himself as our Heavenly Father... If he himself chose to give himself this title. If he himself, because this is how adoption works. I don't know if you know, but it's very simple. You don't choose your father. Your father chooses you. You understand what I'm saying? And Not just adoption, but just, you know, the the father, the parents that gave birth to you. You didn't have a chance to choose them. You understand what I'm saying? But it's interesting because... Paul says that you've been adopted into God's family. He chose you. This is beautiful. This is a this is declaration, a statement of God's grace that He chose you in spite of you. You understand what I'm saying? Because that's how it works. He chose you regardless of yourself. Like, look, have you taken, taken a good, deep look at yourself? You'll see that you're not all that worthy. You'll see that you, you didn't deserve all of that. You, you didn't quite deserve it. Yet he chose you regardless of, in spite of, no matter what, he adopted you. So right after Paul describes this amazing truth that you've got to hold on to every day. Because if he is your father, that means he's your provider. If he is your father, that means he is your protector. If he is your father, that means he's caring for you. So right after saying this, Paul says, so he chose us. Why? To the praises so that we can come and and realize, wow, he's so good. He's all deserving of all my praises. He's deserving of all praises and all glory and all honor. So the purpose that God chose us is is for us to, to conclude that he is completely worthy to the praises of his grace the Bible says the praises of his glorious grace. Let me tell you one thing um, that I've, I've noticed. That so often we, we take God's grace for granted. So often we let God's grace be in vain in our lives. So often we're rejecting God's grace just because it seems too good to be true. Because it's hard to accept something that's so good. It's hard to accept such a great favor. It's hard to understand how a holy and righteous God would demonstrate such kindness. So oftentimes what I notice, and even in my life, it's so easy to reject God's grace. It's so easy. But if we just pay attention to how the Bible describes God's grace, I think we should start taking it more seriously. Because it doesn't treat God's grace as... Just a peripheral thing, um, you know, uh, th- that's part of our lives. Something that's on like the, 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 um, the, uh, at the sidewalk of our lives. No, no, no. The Bible describes God's grace as being something really important, really meaningful, really deep, really, really crucial, imperative to our Christian walk. The way Paul describes it, the adjective that he gave to it was. glorious grace, glorious grace. You see, his grace is no little. His grace is is not meant to be taken for granted. But just the adjectives that Paul uses, he knew about God's grace. He knew the depth of it. He knew the seriousness of it. He knew the importance of it for us in our own journeys with Christ. So first he calls it the glorious grace. Grace of God. It's glorious. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's brilliant. These are just synonyms, I guess, to what Paul is saying. And then afterwards, he comes to describe our forgiveness. Verse 7, he says that in Christ, in other words, let me just paraphrase, through what Christ has done, through his sin offering at the cross, Right says that we have redemption through his blood, through through his sacrifice, the forgiveness of our trespasses. But how? How did you receive forgiveness? How did you receive the, 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 the redemption through Christ? How was it? Like how much forgiveness did you receive? That's the question. How much forgiveness did you receive? Well, he says that all of it, According not just to his grace, but according to the riches of his grace, you understand what I'm saying, guys. Church, are you with me? So, we were saved according to what the riches of his grace, to what kind of grace, to whose grace, God's grace. If it's God's grace, then it's glorious. It's powerful, it's awesome, it's amazing, and it's imperative, and it's important. You understand what I'm saying? We were saved, and we received forgiveness according to the riches of his grace. So the question that I want us to be asking from now on, and I want us to learn this principle and learn this lesson and take it to heart. Always question stuff. Let me explain what I mean. I am very skeptical by nature. I am. I have a twin brother, Guy, and you guys know him. Some of you guys know him. Looks exactly like me. Sometimes people come to service and they see me on stage and they see Gee coming after me on stage to raise tides offerings or anything like that. Of course, we were never matching because twins don't like that. Um, and then people think that it was just me and I switched clothes. But no, we, I have a twin brother. Uh, he's awesome. But we're completely different. Like, we might look alike, but we're completely different personality-wise. And, and if you know Guy, you know he's very emotional. And because of it, you know, he's very compassionate. He's very kind, very generous, um, very loving. He's a great friend. And I'm the complete opposite of Guy. Like, we're complete opposites. I think we complete each other. But but it's not like we're one is better than the other. But I'm very logic. I'm, I'm a lot about reason. So sometimes I have to muster up some kind of compassion, or I have to muster up, like, you know, he, he's a better friend than I am, um, but, but, you know, so I'm skeptical by nature, and oftentimes, I just ask stuff, like, if someone tells me something, I'm like, where'd you hear that, you know, what, what's your source, I want to read about it, you know, I, I, I don't know about you, but, like, I love, I love Google, I Google everything. I know so many um, unimportant facts. You have no idea. You have no idea. You know, uh, um, I store so many. (laughs) Anyway, but, so I'm very logic. If someone asks me a question or if someone says something to me or someone, you know, shares with me statistics or numbers or whatever it is, some information, I'm like, hold on a second. Google, you know, or Siri, can you tell me what this is? Because I'm very skeptical by nature. But let me tell you that I've learned that that's not all too bad. And I want you to to learn to be skeptical as well in this regards. In every report that you see in your life, in everything you hear in your life, in everything you see, it doesn't matter if you see it, but in everything you see with your physical eyes, even if you look at yourself and you see limitations, and you look at yourself and you see failure, you look at yourself and you see defeat. Or you look at your marriage and you see those things. Or you look at your finances, you see those things. You look at your health and it it's deteriorating. Like whatever it is, whatever fact that you see, whatever it is that, you, that you're experiencing, whatever, whatever report that you hear, I want you to learn to be skeptic, skeptical towards those things and ask yourself according to who? According to what? According to who? And I want you to do this. In everything that you hear and everything that you see, you say, Well, according to His grace, and then you finish the sentence. This is the lesson that I want us to learn today to question, to filter everything we see and hear, and to question everything, Well, according to who? If it's not in accordance to His grace, then change it. If it's not a, in accordance to God's favor, and then change it. you got to declare over it. Say, well, this report is bad. What I'm seeing is bad. What I'm seeing is against me. But according to his grace, this shall not continue. But according to his grace, well, I see defeat and I see lack and I see, and, I, and I see failure. But according to his grace, he can bring about victory. But according to his grace, I can reign in life. According to his grace, I'm no longer in bondage of sin. According to his grace, I've been set free and delivered. You understand what I'm saying? Everything you hear, every fact you see, you got to filter it through the grace of God and declare over it, well, according to his grace, I stand from victory. No evil shall touch me. You understand what I'm saying? we got to learn to filter stuff. Why? Because his grace is not light. Paul comes to say, he says this at one point in his letter, I think it's 1 Corinthians 6, verse 1, or chapter 5 or 17, or 2nd, one of those, I don't know, whatever. He says, this is what he says, the grace of God in my life was not in vain. But I am who I am because of the grace of God in me. Paul wrote this, the apostle. I don't know if you know about Paul, but he's the guy that wrote most of the New Testament. Paul went to plant most churches more than all of the other disciples that walked closely with Jesus. Paul raised most leaders in time of fierce persecution. Paul did not remain silent. He preached the gospel with boldness. (laughs) Paul faced death, persecution, imprisonments, and Paul has a long list of crazy things that he has done for the sake of others to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of salvation. That Paul, he experienced, he went through shipwrecks, that he was afloat, afloat in the middle of the sea for a few nights, that he was imprisoned countless times, that he was whipped and he was beaten and he was Like, all of those things because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, look, I am who I am because of the grace of God. Like, Paul accomplished all of those great things because of the grace of God. Paul stood with boldness and confidence. Why? Because of the grace of God. But if Paul says that in him, in his life, the grace of God was not in vain, that means, that means that sometimes... We can make the grace of God be in vain in our lives. It's a possibility. Now, let me let me tell you what the grace of God is. The grace of God is is, is, is not just a, this temporarily forgiveness of sins. It's not just it's not something light. The grace of God is what made you right with God, and what people don't understand is that the grace of God is also. The very thing that will keep you right with God. You understand what I'm saying? Because oftentimes you're like, yeah, by grace I've been saved, but now I've got I to gotta keep up with, with the standard. You know, I, I've been saved by grace, but, but, but now i got to be careful to obey all things. And obedience is good, but that has nothing to do with your rightness before God. Your rightness is based only through, on Jesus Christ and him alone. In fact, this message would have been better titled, According to Jesus. And it's interchangeable. It's just for you to understand. Because Jesus Christ himself is the embodiment of grace. You understand what I'm saying? The Bible says in John chapter 1, I believe it's verse 12, that when Jesus showed up, grace showed up. When Jesus came, grace and truth came it wasn't given. Grace was not given to us. It came to us. So grace is a person. It's not, it's not something material. It's a, it a person. It's not a thing. Grace is Jesus. You might say, no, but Jesus isn't just grace. Well, Jesus is the exact representation of God, the Bible says. He is the visible image of the invisible God, Right? And, of course, we know that God is righteous, God is holy. But one thing is interesting, that in the New Testament, Jesus was decisively known for being graceful. He was still holy, he was still righteous, but he embraced sinners. He dined with sinners. He welcomed them to his clicked his group. You understand what I'm saying? In fact, he chose them to be his closest followers. Jesus is known for his grace. So I want you to understand this, that in everything that you hear, every report that you see, ask yourself, according to who? According to what? And you, you feel guilt or you feel, you know, the, the sheer pressure of condemnation on your shoulder, and you say, why? You hear the accusations of the devil, and you say, well, but according to who? Who's saying this? I guarantee you it's not God. I guarantee you it's not the Holy Spirit. You understand what I'm saying? Because the Holy Spirit leads us to Jesus. You understand what I'm saying, church? The Holy Spirit leads us to his grace. So let me tell you, his grace is not meant for us to take it lightly. We should embrace it. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says that, there is no other foundation other than the one that was already laid. Paul says this, there is no other foundation other than the one that was already laid, namely Jesus. Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the foundation. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but a lot of people think that Jesus is just the, just the, just the door. That grace is just the the, 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 the gate, right, to this journey with God. But it's not. A lot of people misuse also the words of Jesus when Jesus says that, enter through the narrow gate. He says that a lot of people are, 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 are losing themselves. A lot of people are, are going through the path that is wide, but not so many go through the narrow gate because it's, it's difficult. A lot of people think that the narrow gate is about your works and it's about your doing. No, it's narrow because it's not about your works. It's narrow because nothing you could do could save you. You understand what I'm saying? You understand why the gate to salvation is narrow? Because no one in their own strength, no one in their own abilities, no, no one, no one could muster up enough good works to be saved. That's why the path to salvation, the path to God is narrow. Because it's, it's through one person. His name is Jesus. It's through what Christ has done alone, apart from us, apart from works. It's by grace through faith alone. That's why the, the gate is narrow. Because it is impossible without Christ to be saved. You understand what I'm saying? At one point, the disciples of Jesus asked him, after listening to these messages, they, they asked Jesus, well, Jesus... If it is that way, if it is the way that you're saying, then who shall be saved? How can anyone be saved? That's why Jesus says what is impossible for man is possible for God. That we cannot save ourselves, but God has saved us. That God has chosen you for adoption. That God has adopted you into his family. Why? For the praises of his glorious grace. But a lot of people don't understand that Jesus is the door, but not only the door, but the foundation of our walk with him. He is is the lamp unto our feet. You understand what I'm saying? That even the foundation, the basis that we have for us to relate with God is not ourselves, it's Christ. That we do not relate to God based on our good works. In other words, we don't approach him Asking him to forgive us or asking him for any kind of blessing based on what we could offer him. We approach him based on what Christ has already offered him. Like Jimmy read, once and for all. That Jesus made you right with God once and for all. Not only did his grace, not only did Jesus make you right with God, but he also keeps you right with him. This is great news, that the burden of us being right with God is not on us. That the burden for our standing before God is not on us. That the burden for the forgiveness of all our mistakes, and man, they are many. If you're just honest enough, if you're just honest enough, they are many. And they are egregious to God. A lot of people don't understand how our sins are egregious to God, but they are. A lot of people don't understand the concept, the idea that our sins are just too big. Even one of our sins already made us unworthy and unright with God. People don't understand this because they don't understand who God is and the nature of God. Let me just explain to, this, explain to you this, that... The, the amount or the size of our mistake is always comparable to who we are um, sinning against. So one thing is for you to slap your friend on the face. Another thing is you slap a police officer on the face. You understand what I'm saying? Your friend might let you pass. The police officer might not. One thing is for you to slap a police officer on the face, he might arrest you. That's it. Another thing is you try to, re- to slap the president on the face. Before you do, you might, you might get shot or something. You understand what I'm saying? Because it, it's, it's all depending on who you're sinning against. So you see, we didn't sin against a police officer. We didn't sin against the president. We sinned against God. We sinned against God. Someone so holy. Someone so precious. Someone deserving of all glory and praise and honor and respect. We sinned against him. But the good news, church, this is the good news. That you have been forgiven. Might as well just leave it there, right? (laughs) I'll just leave it on the floor, right here. So, the good news is that those sins, our sins, which are many, which are deep, have been forgiven, but according to what? To the riches of his grace. So, when you feel condemnation, accusation, or shame, or fear that follows the mistakes that you've made, any consequence of it, you got to ask yourself, well, I feel this, but... According to his grace, I've been forgiven. Well, I, I see failure in my life, but according to his grace, he shall give me victory. Well, I, I, I see lack in my life, but according to his grace, he is my provider. You understand what I'm saying? I, I see that my life has been stalled for, in a season, but according to his grace, he can speed things up. He's the one that owns seasons and changes seasons, removes kings and places kings. You understand what I'm saying? I want want to teach you really to filter everything you see by the grace of Jesus. And everything, ask yourself, well, what is this in accordance of? And you know what? Let me just explain to you one thing. And I've been saying, I've been talking about this at our church, that the number one thing that we need from God is his favor. His favor makes every Thing else in our lives flow freely. You understand what I'm saying? It, just one divine touch from God is enough to change our lives forever. What you need in your marriage is one divine touch from God. What you need in your life, maybe in your finances, is one divine touch of his favor. When we find favor with God, his favor overflows. We will find favor with everybody else. You'll start finding favor with your boss. Husbands, you'll find favor with your wives. You understand what I'm saying? Like, wives, you'll find favor with your husbands. Because all we need is God's favor. But you know what? How do we gain access to God's favor? And I said this, it's not by works. It's not by what we do. It's not by what we can offer him. Otherwise, it would not be called favor. It would be called a salary, a reward, a wage. You understand what I'm saying? It would be deserving. It's not deserving. It's undeservingly. That's what his favor is. It's unearned. You can't purchase it with your good works. But then how do you receive it? How do you gain access to it? Well, you be in accordance to his grace. Be in accordance to Christ. That's all you got to do. Just align yourself with Jesus. Just hold on to him. Just be close to him. Remember what I said, that Christ is the embodiment of grace? Then what we got to do is embrace Christ, believe in him, that he is our access to God in everything he is and everything he has, that he is our confidence to approach God and ask of him anything that we need at the moment, that Christ is the access to God, that Christ is all we need, it's his grace. So oftentimes we reject his grace, and it's for two reasons. Oftentimes you don't experience favor in your life and victory by the grace of God. First, maybe because you think you deserve it. You think you're good enough. You say, look how I read my Bible. Look how much I pray. Look how well I treated my wife and my kids. Look how well I'm doing. Look how I'm honoring God in this area. Those things are all noble. Those things are all good, but you still don't deserve it and you still haven't got, you, you, you don't get it yet even when you're doing your best, it's by the grace of God. Let me tell you, because His grace is not just for salvation. His grace not only made you right with God, it keeps you right with God, but His grace also teaches you, the Bible says, to walk in godliness. His grace impels you. It leads you to walk in victory. The Bible says that we're no longer slaves to sin because we're under grace. A lot of people mistake this they think that grace is licensed to sin oh because I'm under God, God's grace well, I can do anything no no people who truly understand God's grace they look at the glorious grace is not light it cost God everything it, it didn't cost you anything you didn't do anything to deserve it but it cost him everything the darling of heaven stepping down from his throne in heaven coming to earth born of a virgin right this is Christmas story Die on a cross, a curse from God, and considered smitten by man, die, shed his blood in, in isolation, in abandonment, Christ did so. And so he cost them everything. So this grace, if once you understand this the magnitude of it, the only response is. Response to His amazing love, to His amazing grace. Can you, can you, can you realize? Can you notice the adjectives? His glorious grace, His amazing grace that out us free. Once you realize the greatness of it, like Paul said, Paul, Paul wrote about this. He says he prayed. He, he prayed. He, said, he says, "God, I pray that my hearers, and my listeners, would just understand how deep, how wide." How long, how tall. I don't really know if this is how it goes, but he just prays. I just, I just pray that they would understand how deep and how wide your love is. Because once you do, your only response is to throw yourself back at him. It's a surrender. Surrender under his amazing kindness towards you just as you were. That's it. So I want us to learn to filter our lives under the grace of God. Filter everything that you see. The changes that you want. Well, don't try to muster up strength to fight against the changes or to fight for the change. But hold on to God. The one that moves mountains. Hold on to God. God of supernatural, the God of impossibilities, the God that can do all things, the God that cradles the earth, the God that created heaven and earth, the God that breathed stars. Hold on to him. He is your strength. Make him your strength. I don't know if you understand what what I'm saying. I'm pretty much saying that Christianity, your walk with Christ, is nothing about you. It's all about him. It's nothing about what you can do, but it's all about what he has done. And it's not about your strength, but it's about holding on to him as your strength. You see, it's all about living in complete dependency on him. This is how you'll flow with grace. This is how you'll flow with favor. And it's when you align yourself with Christ. Why? Because he honors God. Because remember, I told you that he cost them everything. I told you it cost Him them everything. So when you hold on to Christ, you honor God that gave his only begotten son to save you, guess what? His divine, glorious, unending, amazing favor will flow freely upon your life. And you'll see areas of defeat becoming areas of victory testimonies. You see trials becoming a reason for testimony. You'll see hurt and pain becoming your pulpit. You understand what I'm saying? You'll see things change and things move in your life. You'll see your health that was once deteriorating, now it's progressing. You understand what I'm saying? It is His grace that something clicked within you. You'll look at yourself and say, well, if it's not in accordance to His grace, I reject it. I don't want it because according to His grace... This shall change. That shall not be a part of my life anymore. This burden is not mine. I am free. I am a child of God. I am part of his family. I can do all things through Christ. All things, all things, not just the good things, dumb, but even the bad things shall work together for my good. Even the the, the the attempts of the devil to bring me down, all of those things shall work together for my good and For the praises of his glorious grace. Come on, church. Let's stand up. Let's praise him. He is our confidence. He is our strength. Let's declare he is our hope. We have a promise in God, and he shall not fail us. He shall not fail us. God is good, always good, and nothing but good. Let's sing it out.